What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, we're talking about election trends in Illinois, the importance of LGBTQIA affirming healthcare, and we got some great events for you to check out. In the virtual building today, we've got Chicago Tribune, City Hall, and Cook County reporter A.D. Quigg and writer, cultural organizer, and co-founder of Hooligan Magazine, Rivka Yecker. It's Friday, December 9th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Good morning, Rivka. Good morning, AD. How y'all feeling today? Congested. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good and I'm congested. I'm really sorry to hear that always, Dope. I hope you feel better going into the weekend. Same. I'm going to be like on tea game all weekend. That's the plan. All right. Uh, before we jump into looking back on the stories from the week, I want to first ask y'all, one, are y'all getting into the holiday spirit? And if y'all have any favorite traditions? So, Rivka, I'm going to start with you, the new person to CityCast Chicago. Are you feeling the holiday cheers? And what's your go-to tradition? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, a bunch of things went through my brain, you know, not to list them all or anything, but with the obvious ones, right? The downtown, the lights, the Chris Kindle, whatever. But I actually, my favorite thing to do, I'm Jewish, so on Christmas, I go to Chinatown every year. It's a tradition I've had for a lot of my life. And yeah, I go to Triple Crown Restaurant every, you know, if you want to find me on Christmas Eve, that's where I'm at. So that's kind of my uh, go-to tradition is Triple Crown, Dim Sum, and both afterwards oh come on that that's a fantastic <laughs> tradition i need to make yeah. that an every tuesday type thing right I'm liking that order <laughs> 80 i know you're a little congested this morning but are you getting in the holiday spirit and do you have a, a favorite chicago tradition i'm definitely in the spirit um i've been aggressively decorating my apartment um i am not like a track the holiday bus or train person Okay. But I love being surprised by it. Welcome aboard the holiday train. All aboard, watch the doors over the closing. Fullerton will be there. Which has happened to me multiple times. It's like such a lovely, uh, a lovely surprise either to like see it pass you by mm-hmm. or to get caught off guard and accidentally get to hop on and get handed, you know, a mini candy cane and watch all the little kids kind of marveling at things. I love the holiday train. Every single Friday, we love to bring new friends and old friends onto the show to find out what were the stories they were thinking of this week. AD, we're going to start with you. We just came out of a midterm election. We're headed into a municipal election, and you want to catch us up on some some trends in Illinois. Uh, Can you go ahead and uh, break some of that down for us? Yes. My brilliant colleague, Rick Pearson, did a story I look forward to following every single election about turnout in the midterms. Mm -hmm. Uh, The bad news. 
turnout was just 51%. So that's of the registered voters in Illinois, 51% came out. That is the fourth lowest turnout in 40 years of midterm elections. In 2018, mm. I know. Um it's disapp- it's disappointing as someone who loves politics and spends all of their working time trying to convince people that these issues are interesting and you should care and you should vote to change or keep them the same. So in 2018, it was 57%. Um, our best year was 1982. That was a big deal year. I think turnout was like 65% then. Um, there is good news, if you ask me, because I like folks having options. About 40% of Illinois voters voted early either by mail or in person. Uh, That was pretty equally split between early voters in person and mail voters. But I just can't get my mind off that 51% turnout. Rika, did you have people in your life just see more people early voting, more people voting by mail? Yeah, definitely. And it's also one of the, but also the midterms were weird. Like a lot of people, like I I don't know a lot of people that were actually voting. I have like my, some friends that are really active about it and very like, you know, like, get on it, like, you know, promoting it as much as possible. But it, it was one of those things that, I mean, midterms are also one of, also usually weird. Like, it's, I feel like it kind of comes at you quick if you're not paying attention. And you're and like, it's oh, it's a shit. lot, it's a lot going on. A whole a back lot. page and nothing but judges, my G. Like, That's what I'm you're not even going <laughs> to find out those results for some weeks. Uh, this is why I get so worked up about turnout. This is your time to participate in democracy. I've been having conversations this week about the mayoral race, municipal races, and because we have so many choices at this point for mayor and for aldermen, it takes time to educate yourself on who you would be voting for. Um, Turnout in the first round of the municipal elections in 2019 was only 35%. This was a wide open mayoral race in the middle of a corruption scandal. Uh, We can do better as, as a city. And I think guides that make candidates accessible are one way to get folks excited. So I hope we see more of those. I hope they get into more people's hands. I'll remind you that a few municipal races that we covered last term, last cycle, were really close. So you and your network of friends, honestly, can sometimes turn a ward. I'm not kidding. Um, It was even more disappointing when things really heated up between Tony Preckwinkle and Lori Lightfoot. Uh, The runoff election only had 33% turnout. Um, Mm -hmm. which is wild. So, Jacoby, you might already know this answer, but what year in recent history in Chicago, municipal elections, had the highest turnout? Oh, why did you do that to me? (laughs) Um, Let's go with 2015? 1983. God damn, the year after Monday. Turnout was more than 80%. This was the Harold Washington Bernie Epton race. Um, that makes sense. And I'll tell that you what, sense. we have roughly the same number of registered voters as we did then. Hey, I appreciate you. We'll continue to cover guides, continue to break down different elections across wards. We're going to move on uh, to your top story, Rifka. In Chicago, there's been a lot of focus on LGBTQ affirming health care. Um, and there's a story taking place over at Howard Brown Health. Can you give me some of the details? Yeah, so it's looking like Howard Brown is laying off 15% of staff. Um, And there has been a union that started in August. So there's some kind of suspicion that these layoffs are related to the union. And so it's kind of 
Like I know people who work at Howard Brown and it's people within the community have known that it's been a lot of overworked, underpaid people. Um, and it's something that we've all kind of known, but there's not a lot of options. And so it really is one of the only options for um all sorts of LGBTQ healthcare, and so, and, um, and I believe it's yeah. the largest in the Midwest, the largest center. It is, which means that right now, with you know how nationally LGBTQ people are suffering from lack of access to healthcare, and so a lot of the people in surrounding areas in the Midwest are coming to Howard Brown for healthcare, which now is an issue because. It was already pretty understaffed um, and now they're cutting out like major roles like behavioral health specialists. Um, they're, it's like HIV, uh, prep navigation, COVID testing people, health education. It's affecting people who are already so uh, marginalized within the community and also like have such little resources. But the whole issue is that Howard Brown, they're saying that Howard Brown's not making enough money. That's why they need right. to lay people off. So they said in a statement that they're trying to kind of close a a fiscal year gap right. and that they need to make changes in staff in order to kind of make make their end. But one of the things that union leaders are asking for is sort of the the financial paperwork, the documents that substantiate this argument. Have they been able to get that? Right. No, they haven't. And so that's that's so it's just upping suspicion and there's lack of transparency. Can you kind of just put in um, put in words just how crucial is a center like Howard Brown to the LGBTQ community? And is there a replacement, another place people can go? Um, it is crucial. And it, it, it I think what's hardest about it is um it's always already pretty overwhelmed, but it still is access and people can go and relate to the people who are working there. Um, they can go and they don't have to tell their identities. They can go if they're you know HIV positive. They don't other people don't have to know like it is specific for queer people. So it's not like you're going to the doctor and you're getting all sorts of you know, you're getting misgendered or dead named or whatever it is like you can go and get what you need Um without that strain or pressure. One major part of healthcare access is like having a medical home and a place where people feel comfortable. And if that gets interrupted, it kind of dissuades people from engaging in the healthcare system as a whole. And this is just like scary in general for the LGBTQ community right now. Like we're coming off of uh, monkeypox. They also provide like general primary care. Like I got all my COVID tests at the Howard Brown down mm -hmm. street. Um, mm -hmm. So any... Any reduction in staffing means reduction in, in services. So it, it doesn't just affect this community. It affects, you know, non-LGBTQ identifying neighbors who also mm -hmm. find this to be like a comfortable medical home. Part of what I read was also like they're running out of COVID money, um, which I think might be happening at a lot of other smaller places that lost regular money-making business during the pandemic. So I would be on the lookout for whether this is happening in other like smaller community clinic networks. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. 
As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Uh, Eddie, when we're talking about um, your underhyped story today, you know, the drug that people have been taking to prevent a more serious COVID infection is about to start coming out of the pocket for a lot of folks. Um, can you make sense of of how COVID funding and COVID treatments are, are going to change? Yes. So this was uh, a story that came out on the 7th Kaiser Health News about upcoming, like, Shocking sticker shock uh, for Paxlovid. This is Pfizer's antiviral drug for COVID-19. It has proven to be the most effective at keeping patients alive and out of the hospital. Um, it may even reduce the risk of folks developing long COVID. Six million Americans have taken it for free over the course of the pandemic. But by the middle of next year, Paxlovid is going to hit the private market. Um, the government was able to buy these drugs in bulk. This was a discounted rate. They are going to stop paying for doses of Pfizer's vaccine as well next year. Mm -hmm. So the government bought those at a discount as well. So this means Paxlovid and the vaccine will become a multi-billion dollar franchise for Pfizer. Um, but the human impact of this um, is especially for Medicare patients. That covers seniors mm -hmm. because Paxlovid is not fully approved by the FDA. It was one of those fast-tracked medications during the pandemic, like a lot of the vaccines were. Medicare Part D cannot cover any medications without that full FDA approval. So paying for this is gonna be a big barrier for medic for seniors on Medicare who would also benefit the most from this drug. We know that like seniors have the highest risk of hospitalization and potentially death from COVID and Paxlovid is a much more affordable way than having an actual hospital stay to keep people safe and healthy. Um, even more worrying, the White House asked Congress to approve another $2.5 billion in spending for therapeutics and vaccines like Paxlovid and all the vaccines to make sure people could afford them when they're not free anymore. Kaiser Health News reported there was little hope in Congress of getting that spending approved. God. Yeah, bummer. Sorry, I, guys. I mean, nah, it's, I think it's really important because we've talked throughout the pandemic about the importance of treatments about the importance of vaccinations and we haven't had to have as, at least as much a conversation on how will we get this how will we pay for it um i will point out there's like some good news here people on medicaid 
uh, that's low-income people will have treatments covered at least until early 2024. Um, okay. Private insurance is going to offer some coverage for Paxlovid in part, like I said earlier, because the pills are cheaper for them to pay for than an eventual hospital stay. Um, but it's unclear when insurers, like private insurers, if you get insurance through work, are going to add Paxlovid to their plans. I'll be very interested to see if like, if Congress manages to act on this, especially because we're in like a triple demic, I believe they're calling it with, yeah. with COVID RSV and um, the flu, regular old flu. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I think, I don't know about, I think the most recent booster, I'm pretty sure it's a really low percentage of who got it. Like I, I don't we're know. We're the, the teens, exact... I think nationally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's real. I mean, it's just like, it's collective disillusionment. And especially with the, what you just told us, AD, like that sucks. <laughs> it's not about the people. It's about how they can make money off the thing that might help people, you know? So it's, it's, it's a bummer, you know? I am <laughs> mm-hmm. curious from both of you, like, when you talk to friends and family who haven't gotten their flu and booster, mm-hmm. is it is it skepticism or is it just like eh, it doesn't feel as urgent and I just like I'll I'll get to it eventually? I I think is a little bit of both. I I also don't think the communication has translated well to everybody. Like obviously, I'm reading all the updates and talking to Allison Arwoody and stuff, but a lot of people feel like. Even if it's not the case, right? We know that the variants have caused more boosters to be needed, but it's that feeling like, okay, I got the first one you told me I needed. All right, I need a second one. All right, a third one. Okay, do you know how many I need? Because now they're saying you might need it annually. And I think because the information is not being communicated to people in a way that you know they can easily follow and a lot of that is because it's fluid it's constantly changing it's evolving but like people's patience is is not evolving it's constantly changing it's a subtle depletion and after two and a half years i know a lot of people are just like bro i'm still here i'm alive i'm good like i get it i want to protect people but i can't get a fifth shot and i and i'm like i, I get it but but you know I, I i see it in people a thousand percent it's this um feeling of like how many do I need to get? Is it even working? Is it even effect? Is it how much is it doing? Like, like it's like, oh well, it's not literally killing me right yeah, now. Yeah, the, so the immediacy of the threat is a lot lower than it was even a year ago. Exactly. We in this for the long haul, and it's becoming even clearer with 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 every update. For real. Um, We've got, we do have some positive news yes. this week when we think of uh, gender affirming protections, um, particularly in Springfield. What was the update that, that happened this week? Yeah, so State Senator Mike Simmons um, initiated a new measure protecting families who seek out gender-affirming health care from criminal and civil prosecution. So basically, the Senate Bill 4245 would prohibit the state of Illinois law enforcement, and the governor from pursuing criminal criminal or civil prosecution in regard to the laws of another state that forbids gender-affirming care for children. When we say gender-affirming, you know, for people who may not be familiar, what, what type of procedures or what type of health care does that look like? Yeah, I mean, that could look like a lot of things. It could be everything from, like, hormone blockers uh, for young people. Um, it could also be literally, like, going to therapy and being able to speak about your gender and, like, having, uh, like, talking about being trans. I I work with queer teens um, as one of my side gigs, and uh, anytime people get freaked out of that, you know, there's this like, oh, my God, all these kids are queer now and all this idea. And I'm like, honestly, I just want to like in in very clear terms. It's like, yeah, there's there's like this uptick right in queers in, in, in Gen Z, right? Or the younger generation. But I will also say this. Uh, 
everyone has always been exploring their identity since the beginning of time, and it might have looked like different ways when you were young. Uh, maybe when you were a teenager or a preteen, you were saying you were a tomboy, or maybe you were saying you were a girly girl, or you were this or that. What I found cool in this is it's not just Illinois working or, or proposing laws to, to make our state safer, but it's also trying to make sure that people who are coming in from other states, people who seek out Illinois for gender affirming health care, for abortion access, that they know that Illinois law enforcement, Illinois officials are not going to participate in what are, you know, jacked up laws in other states. Every single Friday, I want to make sure our listeners, our guests leave with a little bit of positivity, a bright light at the end of the tunnel with our some good news to give people through the weekend. AD, what is your some good news? God, pitch perfect with the vibrato. Oh, um, stop it, stop it. My good news is that on December 7th, President Biden signed the Speak Out Act, which limits employers' use of non-disclosure agreements or NDAs to keep victims oh. of sexual harassment silent. This all got pushed really hard by former Fox News personalities, Gretchen Carlson and Julie Wiginski. You might remember Carlson in particular for speaking out about her treatment by Roger Ailes. Um, mm -hmm. This is only going to apply to NDAs signed before a dispute arises, not afterward, and like no, no settlements involving these kinds of claims. This focuses on those like forced NDAs that you're basically handed a big pile of paperwork when you begin certain places. And part of that is like, an NDA, don't don't say what happened here, but it has effectively silenced a lot of victims of sexual assault and harassment. We saw this with um, in the new film, She Said, about Jody Cantor and Megan Toohey and their mm. initial reporting on, on Harvey Weinstein. There were a lot of folks who were like, yes, something, they couldn't even say, yes, something happened to me. They were like, I can't tell you what happened to me because I have signed this away in a contract. So a, a, like a slight... Um, crumbling of of the wall of silence here around sexual assault and harassment in the workplace. Yeah. Rivka, I want to know what your some good news for the people is this week. But before I mentioned you are the co-founder of Hooligan Magazine, can you tell people uh, a little bit about Hooligan Mag and, and the event you all got coming up on, on Monday? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Hooligan Mag is basically a, coll a collective of artists and thinkers who believe in normalizing the alternative. We've been around for like eight years and we focus on highlighting those that have typically been silenced in mainstream media. But what Hooligan Hangouts is, this new series that I started um, through when the pandemic began, uh, it originated on Instagram Live as a way to get artists and performers to come on and create space for community. But then I was like, okay, let's bring it to in person. As you all can probably tell, I love to talk and I love talking to, I love platforming artists. Like I love platforming people in general. I love asking questions. And so we will have an event every month at the Chicago Athletic Association, which used to be a gentleman's club. So it's exciting to be there with uh, predominantly Redefining not the space. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So the event on Monday, though, is going to be a hooligan hangout um, with Damon Williams. And the hooligan hangout structure is basically we talk for a little bit, we chat, we banter. And then I have um, the person that I'm interviewing perform. I love We've it. Got, um, you guys I do any aldermanic or mayoral forums? Let me know. Absolutely. That'd be so great. 
Hey, Quig's trying to come through. I'm going to be there on Monday. Uh, Damon has come on the show. He's a good friend. I was just at his birthday party not too long ago. Um, so I'm excited to celebrate him and see what, what he brings to the stage. Um, another show that I'm going to be attending is this Sunday, uh, and it's related to a great cause, the Love and Nappiness Annual Hair Care, Hair Care Drive, which Matt Muse puts on where for about a month between November and December, he collects hair care, skin care, and hygiene products um, across the city. And on Sunday, they're going to be uh, celebrating with their Long Hair Don't Care show, which is going to feature the homie Shawnee, Toby Lou. Uh, it's hosted by our great friend Chimo Okoro, who's been on the show a few times from Southside Weekly. Uh, and so it's just a great concert, a great time to celebrate mutual aid, community aid, um, and also hear some fantastic music at Talia Hall. That's going to be Sunday night, uh, and I'll be in the building. So if you want to come, you know, kick it with the City Cash Chicago host, you can see me Sunday at Talia Hall. You can see me Monday um, over at the, the Hooligan Hangout. You know, we out in these streets. Shout out to City Hall and Cook County reporter for Chicago Tribune, A.D. Quigg, and writer, cultural organizer, and the founder of Hooligan Magazine, Rivka Yecker. Thank y'all for joining us on CityCast Chicago. Thank you. Oh my God, that sync up. Before I let you go, I got to give love to the people who make City Cash Chicago possible every single day. Without these people, we don't smack this hard. I got to thank our lead producer, Carrie Shepard. I got to thank producer Simone Alisea. Big shout out to the number one newsletter writer in the city, Sydney Madden. Of course, we cannot move on without thanking the folks who put it down on the ones and twos. That's the homie Sam Thousand all the kimonos, and Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop. Please, today is the last day to nominate CityCast Chicago and Hey Chicago as the best podcast and best newsletter in the city. It's part of the Chicago Reader's Best of 2022 list. You have until noon today to get those nominations in. As always, I appreciate you for listening, making time for the podcast and the newsletter. I'm going to talk to you on Monday. Peace. And honestly, the drone shots of it, I mean, CTA has never looked cooler. You will completely forget that that thing smell like piss. It'll just, it'll just <laughs> completely leave your mind. <laughs> That's why they put Santa in that open car, so he doesn't have to smell any of that. Right. <laughs>